Welcome back to Talos of EV, live on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. I always look forward to these uh, Wednesday streams. Um, you guys always enter with just the most interesting questions, and there's a lot of passion I have and a lot of uh, misconceptions about EVs that I run into on a daily basis, so I still feel like there's a lot of uh, growth and, and knowledge and learning that basically still needs to go down when it comes to electric vehicles, so... I look forward to um, kind of debunking a lot of misconceptions and, and myths around EVs while also trying to weigh people in on uh, missing uh, missing facts or, or uh, points that people aren't uh, quite grasping enough, in my opinion, and trying to understand uh, the EV market, which is a very different market, I would say, from most others. Um, what we're used to seeing in electronics and in smartphone worlds or computer worlds or even the car market is we're used to uh, demand constrained markets where uh, one vehicle outsells another because it's more compelling or one vehicle outsells another because it's cheaper or has the right feature set or has the right reliability or uses the correct advertising methods and people are just kind of bringing a lot of their uh, previous previous thoughts on what EVs were, um, uh, previous thoughts on how markets work, which is like, well, the, the service that provides the best quality or the, the most affordable one or whoever gets this balance act right is who's going to win. And I think what's, what's difficult for people to wrap their brain around with electric vehicles is that it's kind of throwing out most of that rule book that, uh, uh, markets are dictated by where it used to be based on who could who could garnish the most sales who could get the most deposits who could get the most uh, attractive purchase not just in cost but value for what you get and um, that's all thrown out here uh, because we are just severely severely supply constrained and uh, just overwhelmed with demand pretty much all EVs are at this point especially with gas at the price it is um, all EVs are back-ordered and hard to find or being scalped by dealers or being scalped straight from the manufacturer where they have to raise the price uh, to compensate for the lack of supply. And um, that essentially results in people that are convinced that, well, this vehicle's, this EV is going to outsell this EV because this EV is cheaper, this EV is better. And uh, that's not the case when you look at registrations and you look at what vehicles are selling the best. Um, there can be less practical, more expensive vehicles that outsell cheaper, more affordable vehicles just because this all comes back to a, a manufacturing capacity and who can build the most. Um, yeah, I accidentally went live on tech. I had the key set to the wrong channel. I got it all fixed now, though. Thanks for asking, though. I love you. Uh, Mersey says, first time I've managed to catch a stream live in a while. I normally watch the recordings whilst doing housework. Keep up the good work. Thank you, man. I appreciate everybody's support, both directly and indirectly, just by watching these videos. That helps out a ton. It helps us uh, save up and afford our, our upcoming Model 3, which... Moby Dick's asking for updates on. Unfortunately, I have no new estimated delivery to report for you. It still says July 29th. Uh, I wish it would come sooner. I'll be honest, I'm, I've been somewhat tempted to go the used route. Um, just because we have plans and, and trips we're trying to make right now that would be so much easier if we just had the car. Um, but we don't have the car and we have to wait till end of July, best case scenario. But um, I've looked around at the used inventory, and 
I found some that are somewhat tempting. Nothing, nothing that's convinced me entirely that it's worth abandoning our, our new order. But um, there was one, I, I just checked, it's already gone. Someone already bought it. But there was a, a Model 3 long-range rear-wheel drive with full self-driving. Uh, it was black with 19-inch sport wheels, which I don't really care for the color and I don't really care for the wheels. But it was forty-six grand uh, with about 60,000 miles on it. And it was from 2017. So it's about as old as a Model 3 can possibly get. That's like one of the initial first batch Model 3s, but I was like, okay, that's just a little bit more than mine, but it comes with FSD, and it's the long-range pack. Ugh, like, I don't know. I was a little bit tempted, but I kept thinking about all the new changes they've made to the Model 3 since then, where, you know, we have the AMD processors now, we have the powered trunk, um, we have LFP now, and of course I really prefer the white exterior, white interior, and the 18-inch aero wheels opposed to the uh, 19 inch sport wheels and it, I don't care for the chrome trim either so I was like ah I was so I was I was so close but yeah it's not worth it um, Ben Anonymous says I plan to buy an EV for taxing in the next four years I'm just hoping I can get a model with at least 600 kilometer range for forty fifty thousand dollars equivalent let me convert my inferior imperial brain uh, <laughs> 600 kilometers is Oh, 370 miles. You want a 370 mile range for 40 to 50 grand in the next four years. You're, I think you're stretching a little bit. Um, my, my challenge would be that you probably don't need as much range as you think. Uh, I know it's tempting when you're used to a gas car to be like, no, I need at least this much or I need at least this much. But in four years, the EV charging network will improve and you probably have enough time to figure out how to how to work in a home charging solution at your garage or apartment or whatever. Um, that's, that's just a bit much. I don't know. There's like an extra level of cost that comes with EVs when the range starts going over 300 um, it's just infinitely so much cheaper to find EVs that can go around 300 or a little bit less than 300 or something like that. Uh, stick with the new one. If anything goes wrong with it, it's on Tesla. If anything went wrong in a used one, it's on you. There is a used vehicle warranty when you buy through Tesla. So technically it would still be on Tesla for the first year. And there's a battery and powertrain warranty that still applies to used vehicles for eight years. So this vehicle would be five years old that means that it would still la it would still have warranty for the battery and powertrain for another three years but yeah ultimately you're right it, it, if a model 3 is built in 2017 it's probably going to have a lot more issues and complexities with it it other changes i didn't even think about like there's no wireless charger built into that one which i definitely plan on using so i'd have to go aftermarket for the wireless charger the back seats are usb a ports not usb c um, it doesn't come with a flash drive, so for sentry mode to work, I would have to get my own flash drive, so, eh, my car gets 850 kilometers. Yeah, I just think that uh, right now, because we're so uh, supply constrained and not so much demand constrained, there's not a lot of motivation for EV manufacturers to make higher range EVs. Uh, and I know that's a bummer for people that live in the cold climate and people that live in places that or or drive a lot just in their lifestyle or their workflow they're used to driving great distances and that kind of thing um 
that that can be disappointing. But when there's enough demand and there's still plenty of people willing to buy EVs that barely go 300 miles per charge, then now it's <laughs> it it's, doesn't really make much sense for them to slow down their production capacity so that they can cater to a specific demographic that wants higher range when there's already a huge uh, demographic of people that want EVs with lower range because batteries are the primary supply constraint. Um, in colder climates like Canada and many northern U.S. states, we need high range because of range. I'm not. I'm not forgetting that. I completely know that market exists. I'm just saying that. I mean, it's pretty dang cold in Norway, but they're they're almost entirely EV as well. Uh, EVs still sell great in cold climates, but I, I'm not denying that there is a market for it. I just understand why it's not being prioritized right now. In the future, if we get to the point where uh, not enough people are buying EVs, but there's enough supply. Like, we're building lots of electric vehicles, but no one's buying them. That's when it would start to make sense to make uh, longer-range EVs and be like, okay, let's let's do some sampling. Let's, let's uh, pull some customer bases, figure out why aren't people buying EVs. Is it because people don't know about them? Is it because the options are too limited? Is it there's not enough cargo space? Or is it because the range isn't high enough so people don't feel comfortable going with an EV? Well, we could pull customers and figure out, okay, most people are saying range isn't high enough, they want more range. Okay, let's start building EVs with 300, 400, 500 miles of range. Another huge misconception is that it can't be figured out. Um, I still run into people in my daily life that have that illusion of, well, maybe if there was some battery breakthrough or if they found the right chemistry or they started using solid state batteries or graphene in the batteries, maybe then they could figure out a way to make an EV with... 400 500 miles of range it's like that's you don't need a battery breakthrough to do that you can stuff more batteries in an ev and get it to 500 miles that's not a challenge i mean lucid's already proven that's possible but um the other thing lucid has basically uh, confirmed and proven is that it's not particularly practical and it makes it a lot harder to scale up production which is pretty important for an ev startup if you're just prioritizing low volume then that means you don't collect as much revenue I've seen the Fiat 500e selling well here, and it barely has above 100 miles of range. Exactly. I mean, there's still a bunch of EVs with way crappier range than Tesla, and they still sell every single one they can make. They, they still sell out of them. Um, so if you're, if you're trying to ramp up production, there, there's not much of a logic or, or priority for make sure this EV gets 400, 500 miles because it's going to be a lot more practical for a lot of these companies, that's why Legacy Auto is not prioritizing high range that much because they have a bit more experience with ramping production. But it makes a lot more sense for Ford to make a bunch of trucks with 200 miles of range compared to making half as many trucks with 400 miles of range. You're going to make a lot less money that way. Um, especially if you're Ford and you insist on the prices being low because it needs to be affordable and then that results in uh, the, profit, uh, the profit margins being in the negative. Um, so as time goes on and battery production ramps and we start reaching an upper limit on vehicles or, or customers that are comfortable buying 300-mile range EVs, then you'll start to see more of an expansion toward 400, 500 to cater towards the colder climates. Um, Pavan says, what's your take on Model Y purchase, uh, sorry, Model Y performance purchase now versus waiting for version with 4680 cells? Here's my concern, Pavan. It's that... 
we all thought we uh, forty six eighty was going to be implemented in a couple different ways. A lot of people had different theories, but they all generally ran around the same concept. Most people were were theorizing after watching Battery Day that okay, these forty six eighty batteries they're cheaper to build and you can build them faster. And with the structural pack, that means less weight, more range, better efficiency, higher energy density. So we all assumed that the first forty six eighty Model Y was either going to be super long range or really high performance or super high price or a mixture of the three or a couple of those main three. We were like some kind of high price, you know, a plaid Model Y, you know, or a ludicrous Model Y or some kind of high range or high performance or, you know, some kind of high end expensive version of the Model Y is what everyone was expecting. Sorry, T-Mobile's still freaking out. I'm having some frame drops. It should stabilize shortly. But then what did Tesla do? Tesla basically did the opposite of what a lot of people were expecting. They ended up building less energy-dense cells to prioritize affordability because they realized that demand is so high right now, we can't even catch up on Model Y orders. Model Y orders were booked out for a year, and they were already with 330 miles of range, which most of us would say is, eh, it's okay, but obviously we wanted better. So... They go ahead and make a 4680 Model Y with 279 miles of range, and the weight isn't even that much lower, which just means that the, the efficiency of the cells is not that great right now. So the primary cost savings of going with 4680, Tesla's eating the profits on. So what essentially it means is that 4680 is important and helpful for Tesla. It's not very important or helpful for the end consumer. Um, $60,000 car with 279 miles of range and about the same efficiency as long range essentially means that, yeah, the profit margins on the 4680 Model Y are very good, but should you go out of your way to ensure you get a 4680 Model Y? Probably not. I, I At least right now, and with the current demand trends of, you know, the base Model Y, 63 grand, that's still booked out a year. Model Y performance, of course, will get here sooner because it costs a lot more. I think it's like what is it, sixty-seven, sixty-eight thousand dollars right now? It's a lot, um, and it's currently using twenty-one seventy cells. But I don't know Tesla's plan. Obviously, I can't. I can't confirm what they're going to do. But yeah, sixty-eight thousand dollars. I was just looking. They they said in their last earnings call that later this year they plan to add a twenty-one seventy cell line to Giga Texas. So they're going to start building Model Ys with 2170 cells later. And they just plan on continuing to build 4680 Model Ys that are standard range. So with that being the case, to me, it sounds more like the Model Y performance is going to continue using 2170 cells for the foreseeable future. And Tesla's not going to put 4680 batteries into a long-range Model Y or a performance Model Y until the range or or price of those vehicles starts to become the limiting factor, as in the the deciding point of people saying like, well, I would like a Model Y, but I can't justify it because it's too expensive or the range isn't long enough. If we get to that point, then I could see Tesla start bringing 4680 batteries and increasing the energy density and increasing the range and, and making a more efficient Model Y that could go 400 miles per charge, theoretically. But we are just so far away from that reality happening. So if you're thinking about buying a performance Model Y, but you're not sure if you should wait until there's one with 4680, 
obviously, I don't know for sure what's going to happen, but based on what I'm looking at with the numbers in Tesla's current plans of sell output, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think it's it's very likely to happen very, very soon. I think the Model Y performance is just going to continue using 2170 cells for likely the next three or four years. And even if it got 4680 cells, I don't think the range or price would change very much. So, obviously, if you can wait, you'll probably get something better. That's always been the case with Tesla. Over time, they, I mean, for the most part, they improve their vehicles. You know, they add things or they make the processors better or they add better heating elements or cooling features or maybe they'll add an extra display in the back seat for the passengers if you're willing to wait you'll probably gain some things but as we've also seen with tesla you can also lose some things sometimes over time they're like okay we don't need radar we don't need passenger lumbar support and over time they will just start removing more and more so there's always going to be advantages to waiting and disadvantages to waiting so I was in that boat myself. I used to, after battery day, I was like, well, I don't need to buy a Tesla. I want to wait until the $25,000 car comes out, or I want to wait until the 4680 batteries are out. And I thought, if I wait till then, the car will get a lot cheaper, or a lot better range, or I should wait for this next big milestone uh, of, of EV development before I buy my EV. But as more and more time went on, it started to make more and more sense in my head that, oh, okay, like I, I used to think that EVs would only, EVs and Teslas would only get cheaper because at the time, uh, before we announced our Tesla plan and all that, at the time it was like EVs were getting progressively cheaper. Like for a while it was like okay now the Model Y starts at fifty fifty three thousand now fifty two now fifty now there's a standard range for forty two and then forty I was like. What's the rush? I'll just wait until they, they get even cheaper. Like, I'll wait till the Model Y is $39,000. And then it started going the other way. It started getting more and more expensive. Um, and they started taking away options. Like, if, if I would have known how short-lived the standard range Model Y would have been, I totally would have ordered that one. That would have been perfect for us. The, the $40,000 standard range Model Y, I had no idea how good a deal that was now that the Model Y starts at sixty three grand, So the demand changed... The market changed, and uh, it made me realize that, well, the longer I wait, the more expensive the vehicle may get. And, of course, gas prices went up a lot, so I'm like, okay, now I'm not willing to wait. But I personally don't think the Model Y performance is going to get 4680 cells in the near future. I could be wrong. I could be totally off on that one, but that's my prediction. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, if you want a Model Y performance now and you can afford it, just go for it. I don't think it's going to become obsolete next year or something. Um, let's see. My Jaguar has a 22-gallon tank and only has about 230-mile range. There you go. Exactly. Um, let's see. I'm switching from a Bolt with 260 miles of range to get a long-range Model Y with 330 miles of range. The increase will be great. Peace. Love your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it, Galvin. Uh, that's very kind of you. Let's see. I think even with super high range EVs uh, become common, they won't sell as well as people think since at that point, the low range EVs will likely be made much cheaper and will be better value. That's that's another aspect that I, I think I agree with is that if it's possible for you to make, like, like what uh, Ben was asking for earlier, if it's possible for you to make a 380 mile range $40,000 EV, then it's also going to be possible for you to do a $25,000 EV with 250 miles of range. And I think that 
even in cold climates, people will really, really question if they need that extra range, if they can save an additional... Basically, just the numbers are going to change, but it's the same situation we have now. You can buy a 400-mile range Model S. That exists. It's just $100,000, so most people don't justify that extra cost. And they say, well, I can save 40, 50 grand by going with a 300-mile range Tesla, so I'll buy that. And I think the numbers will change in the future, but the demand won't necessarily change uh, ratio-wise. So, like, if in the future you could buy a 400-mile range EV for 50 grand, but there's a 20 grand EV that's 250 miles, I think most people are going to go for that, even if it's a push in the winter. So, absolutely, there will still, just like the Model S is still selling better than any non-Tesla in the U.S. right now, there will still be some people that pay the 50 grand for the extra range. That market will exist. I just don't think it will. You're right, uh, Mersey. I don't think it'll sell as well as people expect. Um, Felipe, uh, Felipe, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, says, Here in Canada, with extreme weather, a 300-mile range truck is not going to be the best, I think. Range loss from low temperature plus towing. But obviously, Tesla doesn't need Canada to sell every truck they make. Yeah, there's more people that live in California than all of Canada. So it's it's not on the forefront of their priorities, but... The point is there are trucks that sell with range like that and when you're trying to ramp up production and build as many vehicles as possible so that you can acquire as much revenue early on um, it makes sense to prioritize to the market that you can that you can uh, reach the demand of and there's plenty of demand for EV pickups that could do 300 miles of range Rivian has proven that Ford has proven that there's there's not a shortage of demand on any electric truck right now regardless of price or range so I think Tesla knows that, and that's why I'm doing my best. There's a lot of people calling me in the comments like Negative Nancy or uh, Debbie Downer or, you know, whatever. People people are convinced that I'm, like, trying to hate on Tesla or, or critique the Cybertruck by saying the range is low and the price is high. I'm really not. I, I, I'm genuinely not trying to be pessimistic or downputting. I'm trying to be realistic because... I was in that same boat myself. I was expecting the 4680 Model Y to have better range or better pricing or, you know, I was expecting the Model Y 4680 version to mix up things. And I was very excited and hopeful for that. And once the reality of the specs came forward and that reality hit me, it was somewhat disappointing but I eventually came around to accepting the situation because I realized why Tesla did it. It was not because they hated me or because Tesla sucks or because Tesla's a bad company or whatever. It was because they are so completely driven by their mission statement that they would rather disappoint their fans than stray from their mission, which is to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy. So once I realized that sometimes making a more disappointing product is what is better for the mission, I realized that a $70,000 Cybertruck with 500 miles of range, that's just not practical and I just don't think it's going to happen. And I would love to be proven wrong. I, I, will, I will sleep fine at night if I told people for several years to expect a $100,000 Cybertruck with uh, 300 miles of range. And then I ended up being wrong and it was actually cheaper than that with higher range. If I set expectations really, really low and then Tesla ended up surpassing them, I'll sleep fine. No problem. But if I were to go out there and tell everyone that the Cybertruck pricing was accurate and the range numbers are going to be accurate and it's going to go 600 miles on a charge or 
and, and the price is going to be super low. If I went out there and set expectations like that and all of you were saving up your money for years, and I see it and I can tell there's a lot of passion in the comments. Like, um, There were a bunch of commenters out there that were all like, wow, I'm, sa I'm saving up my money and I'm, I'm cutting down on my expenses, so I'm going to... I'm going to save up as much as I can so that I can buy this truck. And then my suspicions ended up being correct. And the truck range was way worse than you thought. And the way, and the pricing was way worse than you thought. I would feel terrible. I already felt terrible after doing videos about how I thought the 4680 Model Y would get like 400 miles of range. Or the pricing would be improved. I, I already felt bad that we set expectations there and now I'm having to walk those back and say, actually, no, the range isn't that good and the price isn't that good and the efficiency isn't that good because Tesla ultimately decided the, the mission statement mattered the most. Um, so I don't want to do that again. I, I, didn't, I didn't like the way I felt knowing that I made videos talking about how I thought the range would be or what the timeline would be and, and it ended up being wrong and likely ended up influencing a lot of people's vehicle purchases. They were like, well, I, I'm going to hold off on buying a Model Y. So they delay ordering one, waiting for the 4680, and that that one comes out, and it's not as good. But even if they go with long range now, because they waited, long range is more expensive than it would have been if they would have just bought before the 4680 Model Y. So I'm not directly responsible for that, because I'm not a, a Tesla employee. I'm just a YouTuber. But I felt a lot of guilt and I felt poorly about the fact that uh, I could have potentially added thousands of dollars to people's purchases based on my reporting of the news. That's not a good feeling. I don't, I don't like that. Um, so I don't want that to happen again with the Cybertruck. I don't want people to all be assuming it's going to be a certain price or a certain range. And I know a lot of people out there that have told me time and time again, like, I, I won't buy the truck if the range is under a certain amount. I'm like, I know. That's why I'm doing this. The whole point, uh, the whole point of me talking about this and trying to set expectations to be realistic is because I want you to make alternative plans. Like I want you to see the video and be like, okay, his logic as to why the range would be lower, why Tesla would use uh, lower energy, energy dense cells makes sense. So even if you're not completely convinced by my argument, then at least you could have a section of your brain that's planning for something else. A section of your brain that's like, well, what if Drew is right? What if the range isn't good? Maybe I should plan for a Rivian or plan for something else or something cheaper um, that caters to my uh, use case because we shouldn't, we shouldn't take the Cybertruck original specs at, at, as guaranteed at this point. After seeing what Tesla did with the Plaid Model S and what they did with the 4680 Model Y, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. If I'm wrong and it is as good as we think, that's great. We can we can celebrate. And if you just go into it expecting it to be a hundred grand and then it ends up costing eighty grand, then wow, cool. Yeah, got to spare twenty grand. You can invest it in Tesla stock or whatever. Do your own research, not investment advice, but do whatever you want with the twenty grand. Buy a, a camp shell, buy a trailer for it. You know. Um, so I don't I don't want to influence people's purchasing decision in a bad way again. So. <coughs> excuse me he says what about what about the tweet elon said quad is first you're probably right yeah i know probably the best argument against the price increase is elon claimed that their biggest priority or the biggest challenge with the cybertruck is they want to make it affordable 
But I've seen Elon say a lot of things that Tesla ended up not uh, catering to. So that's why that's why I don't want to take Elon's tweet uh, for certain. Uh, it is not an energy company. Do people care if Flip... What? I don't understand. I don't understand Tesla's mission statement. I think it's incredibly simple compared to other companies' mission statement. Um, how is Tesla selling sustainable energy? By tackling the biggest energy, sustainable energy problems, which is battery storage, making that cheaper, and making electric vehicles mainstream. Um, there's substantially less energy consumed, and there's less global emissions when you buy an EV compared to a gas car. I know there's a lot of FUD and a lot of media outlets that try to say otherwise, but even if you go down to where the energy comes from, how the EV is charged, even when it's a coal power plant, yes, EVs are better for the environment. So by mainstreaming EVs and making them more common and more popular, and we're already seeing that, Model 3, Model Y, best-selling vehicles in California. Uh, Model 3 was the best-selling car of any kind, gas or electric, in Europe. Um, so it's it's getting people all hyped and interested in a new form of transportation that subs that uses substantially less energy than the typical standard. Um, so I would argue Tesla is an energy company because car companies don't make solar panels and, and energy storage solutions. Tesla is making mega pack and power walls so that you can charge and power your house when it's sunny outside, and then at nighttime you can work off of battery power because sun and uh, wind are not uh, constant. You don't always have wind and you don't always have sun, so you need a way to store that energy when the sun goes away or when wind goes away. So there's just substantial, there's definitely not enough uh, batteries in the world uh, to accommodate switching everything to renewable energy. So that's what Tesla's trying to do is scale up production of batteries. So makes perfect sense to me. Um, the sad thing is the Cybertruck will be a Hummer EV competitor. I would say it will be close in price to the Hummer EV, but I'd, I wouldn't consider it a competitor. Any more than the R1S is a Model X competitor. I mean, you could argue that the, the Tesla Model X and the R1S are kind of competing with each other as like seven-seater luxury electric crossover SUV type vehicles, but... One of those vehicles is selling at incredibly higher volume, and um, it's there's they're not taking sales away from each other. Both are back ordered. There's there's so much demand for both that they're not even close to competing with each other. Like, you could argue that the ID four is competing with the Model Y because they're both all electric crossovers, and you could say, well, the ID four is a lot cheaper than the Model Y. But then when you look at the the registrations and how many people are buying which. The $100,000 Model S is outselling. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Like the $40,000 ID4. So are they really competing with each other when there's sales volume or this? Not really. I mean, there's there's probably some people cross shopping, but there's not like lowered demand just for the sake of it. Just for the sake of uh, what's it called? <laughs> there's more orders for one than the other. I don't think so. Uh, if you buy a performance Tesla in an eighty percent coal or more place, it takes seventeen and a half years to break you. I don't know where you're getting seventeen and a half. Usually, that's by ignoring where gas comes from. Anytime I've seen numbers of people claiming that it takes this long for you to break even on an EV, it's because you're assuming gasoline is a natural substance that's just in the ground already. The bigger problem with the combustion engine, more so than just emissions coming out of the tailpipe, although that is one big, huge issue with gas cars, is about how gasoline gets into the ground. It is not a natural liquid. It has to be pumped, which requires energy. Um, so there's a bunch of energy lost just pumping oil out of the ground. Then you have a big, inefficient diesel truck that has to transport that oil or a giant freighter ship that uses a bunch of oil to transport the oil over to a refinery. By the way, all of the complaining about uh, how much materials and minerals are mined that go into EV batteries, a lot of those same materials are used by oil refineries. People complain about cobalt being used in batteries. For one, LFP batteries don't use cobalt, but for two, oil refinery requires a lot of those same minerals. Gas cars also require batteries, okay? It's different kind of batteries, but they still require cobalt for the oil refinery process. Then once you refine that oil, you have to convert it into gasoline. That requires a bunch of energy, causes a bunch of emissions. Then you pump that gasoline into a big inefficient diesel semi-truck again, that's blowing out a lot of emissions as you transport the gasoline to a gas station. Then you, pu- then you pour that gasoline into the, the uh, pavement, un- under the pavement, and into the gas pump. And it even requires more energy to pump that gasoline out of the pump and into your car. There's so much energy loss in every stage of that process that even if your EV is completely powered from coal, you get to bypass all of that because... It's just electricity from your closest uh, power plant through the power line into the car, and uh, EVs get mile per gallon equivalent that no gas car gets, unless it's the Hummer, of course. Uh, But with EVs, you see like 100 miles per gallon equivalent or 120 miles per gallon equivalent. So it was, it's, you don't get that kind of efficiency with gas. So when you consume that little energy, there's just substantially less emissions overall. but yeah, if you just assume that gasoline is there and it's always going to be there, then yeah, it's 
it's like, well, yeah, this uses a lot more energy. The less gas we're using in cars, the more oil that can be used in manufacturing. True, because we need oil for other things. We can't we can't just stop our, our consumption of oil, um, but we could stop using it when not necessary. And EVs are opening up a huge sector of here's where oil is not necessary. Uh, the more we use batteries and the more EVs we build. <coughs> um, you know, like Scott said, Scott, uh, what Scott mentioned here in the chat is very similar to what Elon said. Uh, I don't care about the environment. It's a fact that one day we will run out of oil. If we transition before that happens, the impact will be minimal. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole premise of sustainable. Sustainable doesn't mean happy, clean, yay, green energy. We love green energy. Sustainable just means it can be sustained. When we're relying on non-sustainable energy, it means we will run out of it. And there will be shortages, as we're already experiencing. As there's increasing number of shortages, that results in prices going up. So by mass producing EVs and building batteries at scale, they will eventually have less complexity and less parts than the combustion engine vehicles do. And once we actually have capacity to match all of the vehicle demand in the world, you will make vehicles cheaper than gas cars and they will cost less than gas cars to run. You won't have oil uh, changes to worry about. You'll have substantially less brake pad replacements and it'll be far cheaper to charge them as time goes on because they consume less energy. It's not just by some happenstance miracle that EV charging is cheaper than gas. It's cheaper than gas because it requires less steps. It requires less of a process. The price of gas is so high because of all this moving parts of pumping it and transporting it, refining it, transporting it, putting it back in the ground, pumping it out again. All of that complexity adds to the overall cost. When you get to bypass all of that with sustainable energy, not to mention, uh, solar deployments are are still very very high and th there was a point a few months ago where california reached 100 percent renewable energy it was a it was a short-lived point but it proved that it's possible um so it's it's just substantially cheaper in the long run yeah 400 years later we ran out of oil what now yeah. so if it's not a problem in our lifetime we don't need to worry about it right ben Environmental reasons are much more compelling as well as price. Well, for one, it's a substantial environment is a good reason to switch to EVs, but I do not subscribe to the concept that emissions wise, they break even after 17 and a half years, they break even a lot sooner than that. Um, and I've seen research groups, but they don't talk about the supply chain of gas. Uh, gasoline supply is, is a huge uh, bottleneck and, and that's not even talking about the tailpipe. Um, there will not be a $30,000 car you can buy. You guys are forgetting about the dealership markups. Well, if Tesla has their way, they're going to be building 20 million EVs by the end of this decade. And now I, I, I doubt Elon's timelines when it comes to FSD and robo-taxis because he's statistically been proven wrong on that. So it, someone's asking what I think about Elon worship. There's a lot of things Elon says I don't agree with. And there's a lot of things that I think he's wrong on and things that he should do differently. But I also think he's accomplished more than any of us ever will. And he also pays more taxes than any of us ever will. And he's, he's uh, done incredible things that many people thought were impossible. And something he brought up in the latest uh, Everyday Astronaut video that um, I think says a lot about his history is that uh, SpaceX specializes in converting the impossible to late. That's very true. There's a lot of things Elon is late on, but the things he's late on used to be impossible. So late is better than impossible. And um, 
I don't think he gets enough credit for making the world a better place. Or and I think a lot of people try to diminish his accomplishments unnecessarily. If you read his books and you watch his upbringing and you, and you uh, do some research on what he actually had to work with, I see a lot of misconceptions online with, oh, he just he was, came from a rich family. He had all the money in the world. It's like he was literally borrowing money to pay rent. It's like just because of a family member having such and such doesn't mean they gave him everything he asked for. And uh, the dude works so incredibly hard. Um, and I think a lot of people just assume that anybody could have done what he did. And I don't think that's true. I think he's he's just got this incredibly genius brain that allows him to accomplish things that most people can't accomplish. Now, on the flip side, I also think that there's too many people that assume that because Elon accomplished these certain incredible things, that means he will accomplish everything he says. I don't believe that. I think there's a lot of things that he claims he can do that he probably can't. And he'll find out over time that what he thought was possible is not. Um, just because someone does something impressive doesn't mean that everything they say they're going to do, they're going to do. But I do still think um, he gets a bad rep and not enough people uh, can acknowledge a lot of his accomplishments. Uh of course, of course you have a big ego. I think anyone would have a big ego if you accomplished what he accomplished. <laughs> At a certain point, why wouldn't you? I think you kind of earn the right to a big ego if you do what he does. At a certain point, there's there's bragging, and then there's just being realistic about what you've achieved. And he's he's achieved quite a freaking lot. Probably, I, I think I agree with the statement that he's done. He, Elon Musk has done more for climate change than any other individual. It, it's a, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying he was poor, but I'm not saying everything he did was handed to him. He worked for what he has. Uh, read his book if if you don't believe that. Read read his book. That's a it's a true story, especially what he lived with when he how little money he had when he moved to Canada and then moved to the U.S. and was trying to pay his bills and that kind of stuff. Uh. I think the giant batteries are slowing down EVs. I have a standard range plus and never had a range problem, 80,000 miles. Yeah, it's easy when you're when you're like me and you could easily live with 250 miles, but uh, not everyone can. There's certain demographics that absolutely do need the more range. Um, but the good news is now we're at the point where the standard range Teslas are using a totally different chemistry um, than the long range EVs. Uh, the long-range EVs are using this nickel-based cathode with 2170s, and the standard-range ones are using the either the 4680 now or the lithium iron phosphate, which is different suppliers, different manufacturers. So they're not really eating away from each other. It's not like we could make... Well, I guess you could argue you could make more standard-range if you just use less 2170 cells, but the margins on the long-range vehicles are good enough. It's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I know there's... There's YouTube channels that love to debunk uh, Elon theories, but then I've I've literally watched Thunderfoot or Common Sense Skeptic claim something can't be done and it's not possible, and then watched Elon turn around and do it. So it's like a lot of people want to talk crap, but Elon's more of a do crap. I also just don't think it's productive. It's like okay, if you don't think it's possible, then then do something about it. I don't think the world needs more people sitting around saying that's not possible. He's wrong. I, I think this is stupid. It's like, it's just either provide a solution or that you don't need to 
t waste your time tearing other people down. Um, it's not the margins, it's the availability. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a lot of 2170 availability, obviously, because that's what most of Teslas are using right now. But uh, I guess they could theoretically start doing standard range with 2170s, but it would just complicate the lineup too much, in my opinion. Um, battery packs are pretty big, I guess, but there's clearly enough demand. I don't know, you're getting the gears in my head turning now. I'm like, maybe they should start doing more standard range with 2170 cells. My gas car gets 350 miles of range. The 272 of a standard range does not bother me at all. It's a 78 mile difference, but I can start at 100% every day. I would argue, yeah, like, EV range should not be considered equivalent to gas range at all, just because of how many times in the past week I've had to go stop at a gas station before I go run my errands. Like, I leave the house with a low tank, and I'm like, oh, crap, before I go there, I gotta go get gas. And I went to one gas station, and the line was crazy long. So I was like, well, I'm not gonna wait here all day. I gotta run some errands. I got places to be. So I drove to a different gas station where there was less of a line. And I was like, this is this is absurd. This is a crazy amount of time, and um, I, I would love to just start, even if my, my gas car gets 450 miles of range. And I'm very comfortable buying a 270 mile range EV because I'll start with 100% every time I leave the house. So I know for a fact I'm gonna have enough range to cover all my daily needs. Whereas right now, if gas gets low in the car and I don't make that time to sit in line in traffic and, and fill up at a gas pump that there's stupid music playing and there's ads playing on the screen and there's a big line and stuff. If I don't take all that time looking for gas, then I'm gonna leave the house with the 50 mile range even though it's technically a 400 mile range gas car. It's like you get 450 miles from the pump, not from your house. EV range you can get from the house. <coughs> Excuse me. Moby says, Elon is a solid dude, richest man in the world, and he works nonstop. It's not about the money, it's about sending a message. I think even if you do believe that all of his wealth was handed to him and he didn't work for it, there's a lot worse billionaires in the world. There's, there's a bunch of uh, billionaires or rich people that could have just retired and done nothing. That's what's ironic to me, is that if, if Elon would have sold PayPal for, what was it, $200 million? If he sold it for $200 million, bought an island in the Bahamas, bought a yacht, you know, just kicked back on a beach and drank margaritas for the rest of his life, he would get less hate than what he ended up doing. Instead of just retiring and just becoming that one guy in Wikipedia that's listed once, PayPal was started by Elon Musk and then he retired when he sold it to whoever. They could have, he could have done nothing and, and would have gotten very little complaints. But instead he focused his life and all of his time on trying to make life multiplanetary, make life multiplanetary, uh, make reaching payloads to orbit more affordable, make space more accessible to everyday people so that not just astronauts but everyday citizens could go to space and bring internet to places in the world that don't have adequate internet with Starlink and make safer vehicles that are less prone to crashes and far safer in a collision uh, make cleaner energy solutions with ramping up solar, ramping up power wall, ramping up mega packs so that we have a more stable grid making EVs that are fun to drive fun to own and that's how he spent his life, and he gets more criticism. People hate him. He gets way more hate 
for choosing to uh, try to make the world a better place, opposed to living in the Cayman Islands <laughs> and sipping pina coladas. So it's like, what does that say about like, okay, it'd be one thing if there was a billionaire, you know, making money off of, I don't know, that something immoral or, you know, you can fill in the blank with whatever you want. And he profits all of that and he barely works. He works five hours a week and and just gets to sit on the beach with most of his life. Whereas Elon does, spends all of his time trying to make the world better. And no, he doesn't do everything he says he's going to do, but... I think there's other people in this world that deserve far more criticism than he does. Um, Hyperloop, The Boring Company, Solar City, and Neuralink are all projects that have heavily been debunked as basically scams. I don't know how you can say they're scams when they're still in the development phase. For one, The Boring Company is actively expanding. They're taking contracts from more cities and more people are asking for them. So, okay, you don't like The Boring Company. Do you have a problem with the city government asking for the boring company to build more tunnels in their area? If you think it's stupid, then provide a cheaper solution. Because the reason cities are selecting the boring companies because it's cheaper than all the other alternatives. And Solar City was bought by Tesla, so I don't know why we consider that a scam. Uh, it just was absorbed by another one of his companies because they figured they had enough in common. And Neuralink is still in the development phase. They're They're working on human trials and trying to make it work better. It's a it's a R&D company at this point. I don't know. How you, they're not collecting money from customers. I don't know how you consider it a scam. Whatever. You can just apply all of your subways are the best solution. They're four times as much money, but whatever. That's you can you can just make all your own assumptions and call them all scams all you want. I don't care. While you're while you're complaining and calling them all scams, he will be delivering and saving people or or Delivering products and services to people who asked for them uh, as as long as you complain. I remember how many people said that the Falcon 9 stuff was crazy. There were videos talking about how the Falcon 9 could never be profitable or SpaceX could never make uh, reusable boosters and that would never work. And now they're doing it. And they're delivering stuff all the time and there's still people shaking their face. No, I read online. I saw YouTubers say it's not possible. So it's not possible. Okay. Keep shaking your fist at the sky. Enjoy. When Tesla came out with the redesigned Model S, it was 80000 Now it is 100000 Do you think they would lower the price back down? If the demand goes down. That's the problem. Demand is still crazy high. I think the Model S demand has gotten worse, actually. Let me double check. Um, the back order used to not be that... Used to not be that bad. Let me see. Yeah. Long range, just the cheapest Model S you could possibly buy with the base 19-inch wheels... Booked out till March to June of 2023. Wow! So basically a year if you order one today, and that's at a hundred. That's at a hundred grand. Jeez. Yeah, it used to be more like eight months. Like a, a couple months ago, it was more like eight months out. Now it's now it's more than that. My God. Yeah. Like there, there's no point. You're basically leaving money at the table. If you have a year-long backlog and you're building Model S's as quickly as possible and they're still at a hundred grand then i wouldn't be shocked if we get another price increase um they would probably they, they're probably going to attach another price increase if demand doesn't go down i really wish it would though i'll be honest <coughs> who said that earlier about the uh standard range evs i'm worried someone said i'm worried about uh the long range evs slowing down 
who was it? I gotta find it. Um, the giant. Okay, John two oh nine. I think. I think you brought up a point that I'm starting to agree with. Range is obviously plenty high for most people. Like, what if Tesla starts going in the opposite direction of making EVs less desirable so that they can catch up on demand? And they could keep their pro profit margins plenty high. Like, instead of building the closed box scenario, this, these are not legit numbers, but if you could build a hundred Model S's, and of course all these Model S's have 100 kilowatt hour battery packs with 400 miles of range, why not build like 270 mile range Model S's or, or 300 mile, let's just give it a round three, 300 mile range Model S with a battery pack substantially smaller, but now you can build 200 of those. It's probably not an exact ratio because you'll need probably like a 70 or 80 kilowatt hour pack to go 300 miles I don't know that might help them catch up on demand just by making lower range options um, that would be that would be very frustrating for consumers but fairly practical for Tesla I guess yeah that's that's getting the gears in my head turning <laughs> like maybe they should just start making the only weird thing with like standard making standard range vehicles with 2170s would be you would have uh, you would have uh, the LFP Model 3 for, with 270 miles of range and then you would have some other oh that could be all wheel drive you're right okay John, this is a really good point for John. This is all great for Tesla as a company and terrible for us consumers, especially if you want long range. <laughs> it's evolving just backwards. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not very impressed by the Solterra. We talked about it in uh, our tier list on the EV podcast. I, I'm not particularly interested in the Solterra. It seems like a bad idea. But okay, so LFP requires a certain amount of space, right? So... Maybe they can't do all-wheel drive LFP because the vehicles are too small and the batteries are too heavy and they just take up too much space. Okay, but you have your rear-wheel drive Model 3 with 270 miles of range with LFP, and then with your 2170 cell Model 3, because the energy density is higher with those cells, you could still do all-wheel drive. So it would be faster acceleration and better traction control for those who care about all-wheel drive and that kind of thing but the range could be a lot less than 350 miles. Ooh, okay. That, that almost makes more sense in my head. Now I'm wondering why they haven't done that yet. Model 3 long range demand actually grew. You used to be able to get long range Model 3 sooner than LFP, but now they've changed to about the same. Let me check the website right now. For the base model long range, the cheapest long-range Model 3, it says October to January, and rear-wheel drive says September to December. So you can actually get a rear-wheel drive Model 3 cheap uh, sooner than the long-range. That means demand for the long-range is probably higher. Either that or they just have more supply of the rear-wheel drive. Um, regardless, demand would have to be higher. So, yeah, they could actually catch up on demand and likely improve margins if they started doing... get Drop the long-range branding. 
just do like a 300 mile range Model 3 with a smaller battery pack, but keep the dual motor so they can differentiate themselves. That's interesting. That's a that's a good that's a compelling theory I could almost see them doing. Just cuz they're like we have the supercharger network, right? You don't need range that high, whatever. <laughs> that would just be disappointing to so many people though. I know it would bum out a lot. Um Unless if Tesla did removable batteries and did small batteries initially and then once caught up, just swapped them out. Yeah, there's, they're not doing removable batteries. I mean, you can technically remove batteries, but it's very complicated and not worth the time or money. Pretty soon here, they're not going to be battery constrained. I don't. I think in the grand scheme of things, we're still definitely battery constrained. I don't, I'd love to hear why, Jorgen, you think pretty soon we won't be. Tesla has said for this year they're not battery constrained, they're chip constrained. But that's not because they suddenly have a surplus of batteries. It's just that the chips are eating into how quickly they want to ramp. But, yeah, we're definitely low on lithium and nickel and all of those raw materials. Uh, I have Tesla Solar on my home. It's amazing. I wish I could get it, but they don't service my kind of roof. Um, my dad is very old school, set mind when buying a vehicle. Ordering a vehicle without ever seeing it in person is going to be a tough pill to swallow for some, even if cost isn't a factor. I'm sure it could be, but it's it's by no means the limiting factor. It's not like EVs could be selling at higher volume if we were selling them in person. It's like we're not there yet. Also, by the way, you can buy Teslas from dealers. Uh, certain car dealers do have Teslas on the lot. I went to one in the Bay when we did our uh, was it what was it the Hyundai Ionic Five when we bought uh, not the bought sorry when we test drove the Ionic Five there were Teslas Model Threes and Model Ys at the dealer. So if your dad was so set in his way that he had to buy it in person, you could still technically buy a Tesla that way. But don't worry. We're not, we're not at the point where that's what's preventing more people from switching. Um, I think some regular commute drivers forget they charge every night and wake up with 80 to 90% charge. That's part of it, but it's also, I think, more likely that the, that the issue in warmer climates is going to be people that live in apartment buildings. If you live in a situ if you live in a house or in an apartment where there's no garage, that's another thing. You don't even have to live in an apartment. If you're just in a situation where you can't charge from home because you have to park on the street or you're in an apartment complex, then having higher range is going to matter a bit more to you because going to an EV charger is going to be like going to a gas station. You're going to have to make time for it within your week at some point. Um, but if you have higher range, that point is going to be a lot less op less often uh standard range model 3 at the dealer out here was like $63,000 oh my god $63,000 are you serious that's absurd um but yeah I, I think I do agree with uh Andy Sly that I don't know if I would go as far as to say as you shouldn't buy an EV if you live in an apartment building or you can't charge from home but if you can charge an EV from home, the, the range argument is a lot less. Maybe that's how I would phrase it. So Andy Sly would, would be the kind of guy that would go as far as to say, if you can't charge at home, don't buy an EV. I don't think I would say that much. But I would say, if you don't charge at home, you should probably buy an EV with longer range. If you can charge at home, don't worry so much about 300 miles of range. Um, I don't think it'll matter as much. I almost went out there to show them how much a new one is. Yeah, you should have. They probably know. Road trips are impossible with any EV in New Zealand. Where I am, there are virtually no superchargers or otherwise. 
Well, how far are you driving, though? Like, New Zealand's not that big. I mean, there were tons of Teslas in Puerto Rico when I was there, but there's like two superchargers on the whole island. Same with Hawaii. There's not that many superchargers, but like a long-range EV can take you most of the most of the way. Um, anywhere that has a light bulb, you can charge. If you're visiting a family member on the opposite side of New Zealand, you can drive up there, plug in, charge it up overnight, drive back. Uh, not too happy because he'll probably never get his roadsters. I think he will get them eventually, but it's just going to take a while. Um, I also don't think the roadster... Uh, range or price will be that good. I, I think they'll probably not do the 600 mile range Roadster and the price is probably going to be way more than 200 grand. I think it's more likely to be like 300 grand with uh, 400 miles of range. There's a certain amount of uh, batteries that they're just going to need in order to accelerate at a certain rate. And like the cold gas thruster, that's going to take a lot of energy and you're going to need a certain size battery pack to handle the plaid powertrain and all that but uh i don't think they'll need 200 kilowatt hours personally hey thank you for the super chat michael he says watching you since 2017 thank you for all you do well thank you for watching and supporting that seriously helps me out a ton so thank you um that's very kind of you you didn't need to do that but he did it anyway thanks mike there it is the tesla showroom is unnerving the guy put me in the car said have it back by this time and just let me drive off well, yeah, they have GPS in there. They, they can track you down. They know what they're doing. Um, there's a whole lot of people who have paid the whole 250 grand and who have been waiting for years. Imagine if they put that in Tesla stock. Oh, I know. I know people, well, at least I've talked to people that have claimed to put down the uh, 250 grand deposit, but let's not kid ourselves. If someone could afford putting $250,000 down, that person can afford to wait if you're willing to wire tesla 250 grand which meant that you had to have had that amount of money in cash available to you if you store that much cash on hand they're probably buying model x plaids to hold them over in the meantime if you can afford to wire transfer that much money you can afford a model x to hold you over and then you'll sell the model x probably at a profit by the time the roadster comes to you so like, yeah, that sucks that you wired them that much money and you have to wait that long, but also you you have a ton of money anyway. Um, supercharger network is nowhere big enough for sub-300 mile range EVs unless you live in a big state slash city. I live in Idaho and you can't get to 50% of the locations in my state. Um, I, Given how many low-range EVs sell, I have a hard time buying that just because I know there's a lot of people buying... ID4s and bolts and uh, Ionic 5s and most of those are not going over uh, 300 but uh, Tesla said like nearly half of the EVs they delivered are LFP which are all sub 300 um, I have to cancel my Roadster if it's over 200k I don't think the price will change much because demand is so low I guess you could be right but I wouldn't count on it Knowing Tesla and how they price vehicles when uh, inflation hits, I don't, I don't think they care if they lose people on it. Hey, thank you for the super chat, A Plus Maker. It says, excuse my rant earlier, but I do enjoy your content. No, no worries. I know there's people that we don't see eye to eye on with Elon about, but it's fine. I appreciate the super chat, and uh, I love a good debate. 
I love a good debate at the end of the day. Um, I'm sure that superchargers are everywhere in California, but here in rural northern Utah, they're, uh, they are more than 100 miles apart, even on the interstate. Well, all you need is 200 miles to get to the next one. So I know they're plentiful here, but I, I'm still 40, 50 minutes away from my closest one. There's not a supercharger in the town I'm in, but I just know that you charge from home as high as you can and then plug in a destination. I haven't heard of a lot of people saying, like, my EV doesn't work, I can't get here. It's like, you go in the car and it tells you where to stop. Even people outside of California I've seen I've seen do that. So, uh, they, There's likely a lot less superchargers because there's a lot less people. If there's less people, it doesn't make sense to have a bunch of superchargers, but... All you need is if, if there's a hundred miles in between each supercharger and you have a 200 mile range EV, then you're good. You can do it. Um, yeah, Quinn lives in Utah. Well, he used to have a Model 3. I think he has a Model Y and a Rivian now. Um, my family lives a far apart. I'd have to rent a car, catch a plane until supercharging becomes ubiquitous. Unfortunately, no one cares enough about New Zealand to even put us on a map. Less than 10 superchargers. Well, again, it's based on population. Your population is not particularly high, so you're not going to get... Uh, this is another misconception that I run into a lot. Never expect superchargers to match the number of gas stations, okay? Because that's never going to happen. With 80% of charging being done from home, there is no point in trying to match... Like, we're at a point now where EVs are... Of course, they're connected, and they have software, and they have GPS in them. Um, you have over 5 million people in less than 10... Tesla charges. Yep, five million compared to California is not that much. So I, I wouldn't compare it to California or also how many EVs are there. That's what you gotta compare it to. How many Teslas are imported to New Zealand? Um, not just what the total population is. I'm sure car ownership is probably different there too. Uh, but with EVs, you plug in your destination and the car tells you where to stop. I think people need to stop having this logic of, of I just need to replace gas car with EV and then replace gas station with supercharger because the logic of I'm just going to drive the way I normally drive and then when my battery gets low, I'll start looking for a charger. I'm just going to pull off the freeway and hopefully there's a supercharger there. That's not how road tripping with EVs are going to work. That's not how they're connected. That's not how the charging. For battery preconditioning, it's far more practical and far more logical for the EV to know exactly where it needs to charge and where it's going to charge so you own a tesla you own an ev you plug in the destination it maps it for you it tells you where to stop you don't take your exit and then start looking around and hopefully there's one nearby that's how we use gas cars but that's not going to carry over it's just not going to um the supercharger network is built out on the highway well yeah because that's where people are charging I want a city in my state that's 120 miles away and I couldn't get home without charging for a few minutes at that one NEMA 1450 post in the city. Well, yeah, that's my point. You've got you've got a charger there. It may not be a supercharger, but I'm sure they're, they're growing as many as they can. Um, off of the interstate, there, there are plenty of places you could not get to. I've, well, it's it's not it's not preventing EV adoption is my point. If it was, we would be seeing lower prices. There's clearly enough people willing to put up with the range and the charge network because we can't build enough of them and we're building more than we ever have. So um, my only argument to that is that Teslas won't come with chargers anymore, but I get that for 99% daily driving. It is fine. Yeah, I don't think that means that home charging won't be done. 
Uh, it just means that you're going to have to spend a little bit extra. I, I personally did not see any data myself that proved that home charging is not common. Um, I don't know what Elon's argument was, but after seeing the mobile connector pushback estimated delivery dates on the configurator, that proved to me that the reason they took out the mobile connector with Tesla's was because it was slowing down. Um, it was it, it's slowing down the number of EVs they can deliver, which I would have argued is is a noble excuse. If you couldn't deliver more EVs because you ran out of mobile connectors, then I would say it's fine. My issue came with Elon claiming that it was because of low usage, and there was no data to support that. He claimed the data showed that there was low usage of the mobile connector. I don't know how you measure that, and all of the crowdsourced data we had based on thousands and thousands of owners claimed that most charging was the mobile connector. It was by far, not even close, it was by far the most common charging solution. So I still think mobile charging from home is, is home charging is the standard. That's what most people are going to do. Um, but yeah, I have not, have not seen a bunch of people just say like, oh no, my EV got stranded in Utah because it didn't reach this place. It's like, there's less people there, so there's less chargers there. Makes sense. Um, just because the map takes you to Tesla Supercharger doesn't mean it's uh, ain't going to be no wait times, though, especially when you open to all EVs. Well, I never claimed there wouldn't be wait times, but there's wait times with gas stations right now. That's, that's just a problem with all cars. I'm not saying Tesla should stop installing superchargers. My point is it's, it's not preventing EV adoption, and they're building as many as they can, so I, I don't know what... I can't give any advice on it. It's like, what's your argument? There's wait times at superchargers. They need to build more superchargers. They are building more superchargers. Okay, did build, build more of those. Okay, they're building more of those. Okay, it's like, if it was, if something with supercharging expansion was preventing EV adoption and there weren't enough people buying them, then I would, I would probably argue that yeah, why doesn't Tesla invest more in growing the network? But that's clearly not the problem there's a, there's plenty of lines and wait times with gas cars too that's uh, even in my rural area there's wait times um since there isn't a charger charger there me and my friends are taking a gas car and arming a ton of money on gas <laughs> well good luck uh enjoy the gas bill do you have your home wired and ready for home charging now yes we have uh we have a nema 1450 outlet and i already bought the nema 1450 adapter and uh, i ordered my tesla before they stopped including the mobile connector so as far as i'm aware i have everything i need for home charging <coughs> i was actually hoping to test the equipment because uh my friend model y mike was going to stop by this friday with his tesla and i wanted to charge his model y from my NEMA outlet because I've never technically used the outlet. I have it installed, but I've never plugged it in. So I wanted to make sure it worked, but now our schedules got rearranged and he's not going to be able to stop. So I don't know. Hopefully it all works. We got it, you know, officially installed by an electrician and everything. And when I plug in the extension cord to it, the cable, the, the cable lights up. It has a little indicator light on it that turns on. So I assume it works, but uh, hopefully it doesn't explode or something. We'll find out when it gets here. How many of y'all wait at gas stations unless you do during peak time, which I don't. There's never any wait. Also, EVs take so long to charge. I mean, I've definitely been there. I've waited at a gas station, but I've also talked to Tesla owners that are annoyed by how fast the V3 superchargers are. 
because they're so fast that you can't go do anything while the vehicle is charging. You know, there's a lot of people with EVs and Teslas that uh, are used to them charging slower, so they plug in and that gives them time to run errands. They can go get some food or they can go to the bathroom or they could get a drink. You know, they can do uh, some basic stuff while it's charging. Now that the V3 superchargers are so quick and there's idle fees if you wait there for too long, then um, you can't go very far. You plug in your EV and it's done charging in 20 minutes. You're like, oh, crap, I can't go very quick. Um, have I driven a performance model? No, and I don't plan to. I've, I've floored it in non-performance Teslas, and they go plenty fast for me. Uh, I've never waited. Well, it's fairly likely. It's just based on where you live. I mean, have you ever waited to charge your EV? Because I haven't. <laughs> Probably because I don't have one. When I get a when I get an EV, uh, I know where my closest supercharger is, and it's never full. Um, basically, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Like you only hear about superchargers when they are full. You don't hear about the superchargers that aren't full, uh, because no one talks about it. It's only annoying if it's not under five minutes. <laughs> um, this is my personal opinion. You know that video of them making forty six eighty cells all that time ago? I think from then till now they've produced millions of batteries but can't make cars quick enough yeah i think they mentioned they had already built like a million 4680 cells and i think they were on track to hit two million a couple months ago so i'm sure they built millions of 4680s um once you get your model 3 please keep us updated on your electric bill i'm very curious to see if this really makes a difference or not like skeptics say even with high electric bills we've done the math on this like we know what our energy provider uh, charges us and also there is a separate tier if you have an ev um so we our our electric provider is pg e who sucks but they're the only option you can't use anyone else that's most of norcal and central california um where we are they charge us about i think 26 cents per kilowatt hour so if there's a 60 kilowatt hour pack in our model 3 then that's going to cost us about um, $16 to go from 0 to 100%, and that 0 to 100% is 272 miles, which means that round down a little bit for the sake of efficiency because you're not going to get your EPA estimate. Let's just say it's 250 for easy math. If we drive 1,000 miles a month, then that's going to be times four, about $64 a month extra in electric bills if we do all of our charging uh, from home. And um, we spend way more than, right now on gas, With if you're driving 1,000 miles a month with our gas car, it's, it's closer to $200 a month, uh, possibly more, depending on, because the gas prices have just gone up again. Uh, they, I've literally never seen them higher. They're at all-time highs. They beat the 2008 gas pricing right now. Um, so the Tesla app makes it pretty easy to track. But the other thing to keep in mind is that PG&E offers um, a lower, uh, a different tier if you have an EV. They won't give us this tier if you don't have one. But if you have an EV, they'll give you a time of use rate where the, the price per kilowatt hour will be lower at certain times of the day at, during off-peak hours. So we're probably going to get that plan because based on what I've read. They didn't tell me what the price per kilowatt hour is on off-peak hours, but I'm sure, I don't know why they would offer it if it didn't lower your bill. But essentially, if you charge your EV from like midnight to 9 a.m. or 8 a.m., 
then the, the price of electricity will be lower. So it's possibly going to be more like $50 a month if we charge it during off-peak hours. Um, basically, somewhere around 70 to 75% less than the price of gas. Um, not to mention, there's trips we won't do in our gas car because they're too expensive. And that pr uh, there's drives and trips we will take in an EV. So it's not necessarily about like lowering the amount of money we spend on gas, but it's like, I will, I will drive to my parents' place out of state, which is like a 14-hour road trip. I will make that drive if it only costs me 40 or 50 bucks. I don't want to do that drive if it costs 300 bucks, you know? So there will probably be more driving going on when we get our Tesla, to say the least. 26 cents a kilowatt hour. I charge it 7 cents off peak. Yeah, well, that's, that's, not, Cali that's not California. Um, but also gas is a lot more expensive here. So get, wherever you live, gas is probably a lot cheaper. <coughs> Forget about supercharger. EV road trip is like an adventure. Just park your EV at home and charge it every day. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to family and friend's house, you can charge at their place usually with the mobile connector. So um, offsetting the gas price will take you 30 years to pay itself off. Yeah, I'm. I didn't. I didn't subscribe to the idea from the beginning that buying we're buying a Tesla because it's cheaper than our gas car. That that's not that's not real. That's not happening. Even even with record happen, even with record breaking gas prices, it would still be definitely cheaper for us to keep driving our gas car. I never subscribed to that idea, especially with prices as high as they are. Um, for EVs. Uh, although, to be fair, I do plan on owning the Model 3 until it stops working, unless we trade it in or, or sell it for a vehicle that we need in the future. Like, if my lifestyle changes and I end up needing an SUV or a pickup truck, that's the only scenario I could see myself selling or trading in the Model 3. Outside of that, though, I don't I don't plan on getting rid of it. I, I don't want to be the guy that upgrades his car every year. It's like, well, this newer Model 3 came out, now I want that one. It's like, I don't... I don't want to be that guy. Unless my lifestyle change, in, unless my lifestyle changes, um, I'm gonna own this Model Three as long as it runs. And uh, there's a, I'm not gonna say a guarantee, but I would say there's a fairly decent likelihood that I will own this Model Three for 30 years. Um, so what's that? Like 200, maybe not 200, 150 dollars of gas savings a month. But that doesn't even talk about insurance. Yeah, no, I, I knew from the beginning because the insurance on the Tesla costs way more than our gas car too. So I think what people, people are not massively all switching to electric because it's cheaper. I should, be, I should make myself clear on that. I don't think EVs are, are selling at high volume just because they're gonna save money by not having to pay for gas. There's, there, EVs are selling at high volume because they're better. People want EVs more than gas cars do. That's just... The, the situation we're in and they definitely want more than we have supply for and um, people would rather be in debt and buy a more expensive car because then over the course of 30 years trying to break even um, they they get to own an EV they get to own a car with autopilot they get to own a car that they can charge from home and they get better acceleration and they get you know just a more enjoyable car experience overall so they would rather just have a better vehicle because it's a it's a quality of life thing. It's just more fun to own. Um, that's why I think EVs are selling so well. It's not or it, the, the fact that it's cheaper to 
charge them than pay for gas is just how people justify spending more money on them. It's not it's not about like oh this ten thousand dollar gas car is too expensive. I should buy a sixty thousand dollar EV. That's not that's not the situation. Um Am I doing Tesla insurance? They they can't give us quotes yet. Uh, they, Tesla insurance won't give us a quote until we get a VIN assigned, and we don't have a VIN assigned. So once we get a VIN assigned to our account, I will check. Basically, I'm interested in the cheapest possible insurance. So if that's Tesla insurance, then yeah, I'll, I'll go through Tesla. But if we can get cheaper rates through Geico or Progressive, whoever, I don't really care who provides the insurance. I just want the cheapest possible. Um. Have you figured how much longer would the trip take? I've been wondering about visiting uh, my daughter. Well, I haven't done an EV road trip myself personally, but I have used a better route planner, which from what I've read is about the most accurate way you can predict how long an EV road trip is going to take. And doing the cross-country the cross country road trip, I've done several times because my parents and my sister live out of state. And the gas car takes about 14 hours. Uh, it's a long drive, and basically you just delete that day from your schedule. Um, so essentially, you leave at you know seven in the morning, and you're going to get there at nine o'clock at night. And I plugged in the same route with uh, the LFP Model Three I plan on getting, and it says it's going to take about fourteen hours and in fifty minutes. So adds almost an hour to the overall trip time, but you save like over a hundred bucks so would you take a hundred bucks an hour would you would you take a hundred or 150 dollars for me to add one hour to your total trip time on a road trip that's 14 hours long i would definitely do it i would definitely take a much slower road trip with autopilot because i've used autopilot several times and found that incredibly convenient and in energy saving mentally and uh so it's, it's going to add to the trip time, I'm sure, but not to an extent that it's going to become impossible. It's just like, now I'll probably just wake up earlier. I'll, I'll probably leave for that drive at four in the morning. I've, I've done those before. I had to go to the airport early because you can buy a cheaper plane ticket by taking a longer route, or you can buy a cheaper plane ticket by taking a awkward flight time. Like all the plane tickets that are at midnight or, or at four in the morning are way cheaper than the midday um in the midday drive so yeah i i'd rather save the money and i'd rather have a better experience so try four miles per hour faster and it equal out no i think it would consume more energy you'd still have to charge the same amount of time but yeah once i i'll document the whole experience of course uh, if a better route planner is wrong i can i can talk about that and i'll probably just wake up early and and start driving at four in the morning and then i'll get there around seven seven o'clock in the evening um but i'll feel rejuvenated and well rested the thing we have to stop for on the gas trips is food like you got to stop for breakfast lunch and usually dinner when you're driving 14 hours in a day and you got to work in gas station stops in between that um whereas an ev it's going to take a lot of charge so i'll probably be able to get food while it's charging so i can combine the food in the charging stops in, into one stop um any gas car under 4K is going to have massive issues regarding uh, requiring a lot of maintenance. It's true. It's possible. We've been fairly lucky with our gas car. We got it for about $3,500 several years ago, and it's not had any engine problems. And it has uh, over 180, 
over 180,000 miles on it. And um, nothing's nothing's gone horribly wrong. I mean, we've had to do oil changes and smog checks and brake pad replacements like any gas car. But aside from that, nothing nothing huge. Uh, what is your opinion on lower range EVs in the roll towards electrification for the masses? I guess it depends on your definition, definition of lower range. Um, I think they're underrated and probably deserve more attention. I think that people think they need more range than they really do. Um, I know there's some people that absolutely do need more range. I'm not denying that. Some people in the colder climates or people who do towing absolutely need more range. But there's a lot of people that assume because my gas car gets 400, that means my EV needs 400. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, supercharging is actually not that much cheaper than a fuel-efficient gas car. Most superchargers are like 40 to 45 cents a kilowatt, almost $40 for a full charge. I don't know where you're paying $40 for a full tank of gas, but <laughs> it's definitely more enjoyable. That's to say, that's to say the least. Um, I know there's certain places with surge pricing that's 40 to 45 cents a kilowatt, but I, I don't think most places are. Um, I've seen people complaining about them, but that's at high use stations. And typically it's a lot, at the high use areas where superchargers cost 40 to 45 cents a kilowatt that's typically where gas is 550 a gallon or six a gallon um it's not like you go to the places where it's four dollars a gallon and the supercharging is 50 cents a kilowatt i haven't seen those two line up at least that hasn't happened for me yet um I need to know if my Model 3 2022 will be able to use the gaming controller for playing Cuphead. I heard they got rid of controller support. I haven't heard that. I assume it would. I heard some talk that it may not support wireless controller support, but I think wired still works. But anyway, I've been live for a while. I've got some other errands to run and some more streams to do, but I appreciate the super chats and I appreciate the discussion and all the talks about EVs. You guys just get me ever more excited. You know, just for just for good measure, I gotta check my estimated delivery date one last time. Um, yeah, there you go. Lupus says it's ten cents a kilowatt here in Chicago. Gas is five to six dollars. There you go. No update on the estimated delivery. Still July 29th, but of course I'll keep you guys posted. Thank you all for tuning in. I had a lot of fun and uh, enjoyed our discussion as always, and uh, helped. Uh, to this Canadian mate switch to EV. I just ordered my Model 3 long-range all-wheel drive. Hey, congrats, Todd. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate you all for watching. See you all again soon. Take care. Bye-bye.